Welcome to another Tabletop Ramble, I'm your host Jacko. On this week's show I'm joined by multi-award winning game designer Matthew Tibbury as we talk about some decent educational games that might help some parents out while they have to do all this homeschooling. But before all that, here's this week's Tabletop Gaming News. First up in this week's Tabletop Gaming News, Asmodee have announced that they are launching two new gaming ranges that are going to help fend off boredom during lockdown. The first of the new collections is called Brain Games. This is going to feature products that are perfect for creative and inquiring minds. These are designed to suit younger players while also offering fun and excitement for adults. This is going to be ideal for keeping young minds engaged while they suck at home uh, yeah, and this is something that we're going to be covering a lot more later in this episode. The range is going to include titles such as Rory Story Cubes and the Brain Teasing Memory Challenge of the Brain Box series. The second range is going to be the two-player games. This is perfect for couples that are going to be stuck in their own bubble and won't be able to see or play with anybody else. So yeah, this is going to include titles such as Bananagrams, Jewel and Patchwork. So those are examples of games that are already going to be in the ranges. There's going to be a lot more added as time goes on. <laughs> Double is getting itself some new titles. Now, I know this is quite a mainstream game that you can pick up in most supermarkets. And quite often for this, it's sort of overlooked. But Double is actually a very fun game. Okay, it's got the simplicity of Snap. But still, it is a really good game that's full of laughs and it's great for keeping the young'uns entertained. So, at the moment, they have quite a few to their range already, but they're looking to also expand that. So, first of all, they're going to be bringing out a Pixar range. So, it's going to have the likes of Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. and Inside Out. They're also going to be bringing out a Paw Patrol version, Marvel and a Minions. So, anybody who likes those sort of themes... It's a nice, fairly cheap game, and it, like I say, it's full of laughs. I can't believe this actually has passed me by, because this was actually announced a few months ago. But Osprey have announced that there is going to be a Stargrave game. So Stargrave is designed by Joseph A. McCulloch, who already wrote the brilliant Frostgrave. So in Stargrave, it's set in a gritty outer space setting where you'll be designing your own crew that will be going on various missions and you'll be coming up against I don't know, smugglers, relic hunters, freedom fighters, mercenaries, that sort of thing, and all different alien life forms are going to be coming into your uh, domain. Once you've uh, assembled your crew, you're going to be going on to a series of different adventures 
trying to maybe steal data, freeing slaves, and you're going to be fighting back against all the pirate fleets. This is sounding absolutely brilliant. If it's half as good as what Frostgrave is, then, yeah, I'm going to be all over this. At the moment, this is available for pre-order, and it's due for release in April. <laughs> and the last bit of news. Here at Tabletop Towers, we're looking for some new Ramblers. So if you've got a passion for anything played on the tabletop, could be a car games, could be board games, could be RPGs, could even be miniature war games, we'd like to hear from you if you'd like to get your voice heard. We'd particularly like to hear from you if you've got some good IT skills or even if you fancy getting involved on the podcast. We can't offer you a wage, but we can offer you a platform so that you can get your opinions across. And you'll be joining a brilliant team of like-minded people that will love indulging you in your interest. If this sounds like something that you'd like to get involved with, then drop us an email at tabletopramble at gmail.com. The main feature of this week's show has been squeezed into the running order of what I was actually planning. Because it seems to fit in with the current climate. Due to the latest British government guidelines and following the protocols set, the school students are now finding themselves back at home and being taught by the parents. So I thought it'd be quite a good time to actually have a look at see what sort of uh, decent educational games are out there that might be able to help the parents out. Whilst I was gathering some of this information, I uh, made contact with a multi-award-winning game designer, Matthew Tibbery of uh, Think Noodle Games. Um, and it, he's actually very gracious agreed to come on the show and join us. So uh, welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. Nice to nice to be here and thanks for inviting me. Oh, well, like I say, it was such short notice. Oh, yeah, I can believe you agreed and, yeah, I suckered another one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's so, much, too much going on at the moment, is there, really? I think we've all got lots of spare time, at least... Maybe not huge amounts of spare time, but I've you know I've certainly got time to chat to you. Oh, that's brilliant! Oh, I love to hear things like that. So, what what what's your background and how did you get into game design, then, Matt? Well, it's gosh, it's a, how long have you got? Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it brief. Uh, so, um, I trained as a as an industrial designer, designing products, but I went to to art college in Maidenhead, uh, and I did a brilliant course actually, a four year course which involved. 2D design, 3D design. Um, there was some uh, classic sort of art training. There was ceramics, a bit of sort of fashion and textile design. It was a real, a really eclectic range of design skills on this course. Um, and um, while I was on the course, we were encouraged to to enter competitions. And the Royal Society of Arts uh, run um, effectively like a competition called a bursary. And every year they run a different set and you can choose which category you want to go into and um and i entered uh small electrical products designed a a, a kettle came up with the idea for a cordless kettle back mm. in 1983 and um won the uh, won the award and um off the back of that when i finished art college i got offered a job in london with a brilliant little design consultancy um and i worked there for a while uh, and this is before the age of sort of computers and things like that, really. Mm. Um, so I got into sort of product design with with these guys in London. 
but I'd always had a passion for, for illustration. So during the course, we did, did a lot of visualization of products and, and other things. Uh, part of the course I was on back then was uh, interior design and exhibition design as well. So we did visualizations of exhibition stands and interior designs as well as products. So I had some sort of basic illustra- illustration skills. Um, so I did that, ended up working for this consultancy in London, um, and then started to get into computers. I'd always been uh, quite into computer games. I'd had this thing called a Vectrex when I was younger, which was basically like a, a, a TV, a black and white TV with a computer uh, built into it. So imagine like a Nintendo Switch, but in the form of a, a mini arcade game. Google Vectrex, uh, they, they had like big cartridges that you sort of plugged in, but it was like a, it was like a, a, a an arcade that you sat on the table, an arcade game that sat yeah. on the table, and, and it had the classic sort of asteroids and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and in fact, I've still got it somewhere. But that's that was brilliant. So I got into that. I got I had a ZX Spectrum and tried a bit of programming and with fairly sort of uh, not great results. But I enjoyed playing the game. So I always sort of enjoyed playing video games. And um, so when sort of computers started to come out for design work, I started to get into that. And um, I left the company in London and started working freelance, ended up in Oxford working for a software company doing video games, um, mm. designing the, the, the ships and having to learn how to code to program these 3D models into some sort of fairly rudimentary software running on the um, Amiga computer, I think it was. Oh, well, right, yeah. Oh, back in the day. But yeah, yeah, um, I remember them well. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And the uh, Atari ST, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. They were the big rivals, weren't they? Yeah. They were. They were. So uh, off the back of that, I then got offered a job with a software company in Henley um, designing touchscreen systems for point of sale and point of information. So that's quite interesting because that's when you're designing products, you're thinking about usability. You're thinking about how people are going to use products, what they're going to, how they're going to interact with them, uh, all that sort of stuff. And you can apply that those design principles across into software design as well. So I worked for this company and we were designing, uh, oh gosh, all sorts of systems, information terminals for banks and building societies, um, uh, train ticketing systems, which are still running uh, in stations today, where you can go in and you can, you know, buy a ticket through a touchscreen system, uh, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I then went sort of freelance again. Um, uh, we had a company, and we ended up working for companies like uh, Electronic Arts, doing um, video game work, that sort of stuff. Uh, we ended up working uh, for the rock group Queen, designing a game for them, and um, we did their first website as well of set up um, a, a design consultancy that um, was doing quite well. We, we specialised in um, websites and, and touchscreen systems, which is kind of what I was familiar with. Mm. Um, and during that time, um, my, my kids were at school and um, my daughter uh, was struggling with her maths. And um, I don't know about you. I don't know how you are with maths, but I'm not good with maths. I I didn't have a good time with maths at school. No, no, I must admit, it wasn't my strongest point, I must admit. I, I think that's the case for quite a lot of kids. And certainly with my daughter, she was she was not stupid, but she just 
really wasn't engaged with the maths and and didn't really get it and was having difficulty and I thought well, there's got to be a way of of helping her so we went out and I tried to find anything really to help her and get her engaged with maths that we could do at home to encourage yeah. her and to bring her on there wasn't really um very much in the way of uh sort of computer-based learning at the time there was a thing called zoomies which was quite fun but it, it didn't really you know tick all the boxes for me and I, I found it a real problem to find anything that did actually mm. and um went back to school and I was talking to a teacher and she said you know I said I can't find any resources that are a, you know the, the right kind of resource to use with with her that she'd be interested in or engaged with and um the teacher at the time said to me well you're a designer why don't you design something <laughs> So I thought, oh, okay. Um, so I thought about it, and I thought, well, what did I like doing as a kid? And and when I was growing up, I used to spend time with my my parents and my grandparents playing games, um, not video games, because this is sort of before video games came about. But they're sort of the classic sort of board games and lots of card games, lots of different types of card games and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and I just had really fond memories of it. Really fond memories, sitting around, just laughing. I couldn't tell you the games we played. But I can remember how I felt playing those games. Mm, yeah. And what I wanted for my daughter was something where she could feel that that sort of belonging and that fun and that enjoyment, but something would also sort of help her learn as well, particularly focused on maths. So I kind of went off and started thinking about trying to come up with a product that did that. That's fantastic. It's it's weird how you sort of had this almost a loop and you're able to pull back from past memories to think, hang on, that could work for me. Oh, I see, ideal. So when I said you're multi-award winning, I'm not blowing your trumpet here. This is true. Okay, so we have got here, we've got the best imagination game, Young Einstein's Best Maths, Best Family, the UK Game Expo Players' Choice Family Award, and you've also got yourself a nice dice tower seal of approval. So you're obviously doing something right. So, yeah, it's, you've obviously done a really good job. So you're definitely qualified to answer this next question. <laughs> okay. For kids, what are the benefits for board games? In in a learning environment? Yeah, yeah. What, why do you think that they're good to educate children? How, what are the benefits that you can get from playing a board game? Well, I, I there's, there are... Apart from the, the, the social ones and the ones about you know, improving social interaction, um, improving communication skills and the relationship you have with the other players as you play a game. One thing I've discovered from designing my own games is that they're all maths based. There's, all, there's an element of maths in, in, in certainly in the designing of every game. And then in the aspect of playing many of these games, there are math elements now, there are some games that are obviously more suited to a family environment, um, uh, particularly children who are um, not used to playing games. Mm. But I think the benefits are, are massive. They bring the family together. You spend time together. I think it's good if you can put things like phones and tablets and things that cause interruptions and distractions aside and sit down and play together as a family. I know I'm a member of the local games club where I live and there are families that come along to the games club, but there are so many families that are kind of missing out on this, missing out on this, 
this time, the, the, the quality time that playing games together as a family gives you? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think, especially in the current climate, the children, because you was on about social interaction, I think the, the main place they normally get social interaction is at school. And if they can't get it there, then it's up for us to try and like supply the social interaction under the roof sort of thing. Well, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of parents I talk to say, well, I don't really know what to do with the kids. I don't really know. You know, I'm not a teacher. Mm. Um, but the the point is that with these games, I think they enable you to create a safe space for the child to learn, for the child to make mistakes. And, you know, there are games out there that are competitive. Um, I happened to design a co-op game without really knowing that co-op games existed because when I was designing City of Zombies, I, I didn't really go out and look at, I didn't think there were any games, really, any board games. <laughs> I, I didn't go to a game shop. I didn't even know game shops existed. Um, I just, um, you know, thought about the memories I had as a, as a child playing games. I wanted to try and create a product that encapsulated those emotions and those feelings. And then I thought about the games I, I, I knew and that I had played um cluedo uh frustration uh there was a, a escape from cold it's uh monopoly which i think is an awful game if i can say that I hate <laughs> yeah i don't um, think you get many people arguing with you i must have been on this podcast anyway but it was really yeah it's really important to me to create a game because because what i wanted to do was try and get kids doing maths and if you're playing against each other, you're already in competition and you're trying to beat each other. And what I wanted was an environment where you're trying to help each other. Mm. So I ended up creating um, this cooperative game before I knew really what, as I said, before I knew what a cooperative game was. Um, so I created this game called, called City of Zombies, mainly because my daughter at the time was into um, a program on the tv called zombie hotel so she was well into zombies um and i wanted to do something that would appeal to her and and capture her attention and i kind of went back to the drawing board a lot of times with the way the game worked the game mechanisms the way i wanted to get kids doing maths um without them really realizing they were doing maths yeah yeah um but i i I digress because really you ask you about, you know, what do these things bring to the family environment? And I think, you know, they bring that quality time. They bring that family time. They bring that safe space for the child. But I think that the parents need guidance because you've got parents who, who, who don't know gaming etiquette, if you like, mm, they don't yeah. understand um, that they need to give, the child space to play space to to have their turn without interruptions and things like that so i think there's guidance for parents as well yeah yeah i think it's very easy to sort of rush in because you know the answer i think like i say quite often it's better to try and sit back and let them come up with the answer themselves particularly if the game is an educational game and i use the word educational game in the loosest terms because I don't really see my games as educational games because when I did get things to help my daughter with her maths, in terms of, you know, 
ticking the boxes for parents oh yeah they look great you know this is this will do this this covers this part of the curriculum this does you know this but you sit down and try and either do that um exercise with the child or play that game with the child and it's just appalling it's an insult to their intelligence it's boring it's not fun it's just rubbish and it's a waste of money so what i wanted to do was find a product that was really good fun that you know captured the child's attention engaged them got their imagination going um but at the same time you know ticked all the boxes that you want to do to um help your kids with their maths yeah well uh, by saying to me so the, the the enjoyment comes first and the learning is like the byproduct isn't it so yeah it's yeah. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant way of doing it it really is quite often if people think oh it's maths they'll think it's boring straight away without even looking at it well i think if it isn't fun they're not going to engage with it and they don't they're not going to want to play it mm, they're not going to yeah. want to do anything that isn't fun really um but you know the serious side of it is that if your child is struggling with maths, how do you reach them? How do you mm. encourage them? How do you get them to to practice their maths without realizing it? And you know that was the challenge of the game. The challenge of the game was to to be a game first and foremost, but you know it had to do the job of well, it had to do the huge job really of of, of getting the child to potentially a child that would be maths adverse as well to do maths and to do it in a way where they didn't realize they were doing it yeah well we we spoke about city of zombies now i want to go in a lot more detail on this because when i was doing my research i was and this was before i spoke to you i was trawling through the usual forums on facebook on bgg and i'm like looking and for um for some games to play with the kids and the one that come up time and time again was City of Zombies. Can you tell us how the game plays? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's a it's a co-op game for one to six players. It's all about aliens, actually, that are invading a city and turning everybody in the city into zombies. You've managed to escape the city and you've found a safe house. You've built a barricade to hold the zombies back. And you've created a safe zone to rescue any other survivors that you can find. There's a plane on its way that you that's going to land and allow you to escape. And you've got to hold the advancing zombies back until the rescue plane can land. So it's a, like a, it's kind of like a tower defense style game. Okay, yeah. In in the sense that the zombies start at the top of the board where the city level is, and they work their way down towards your barricade in your safe zone and you've got to hold them off you've got to try and target them and take them out before they can reach the barricade and if you get too many zombies on the barricade your barricade collapses and mm -hmm. you're going to lose the game so it's a bit like a card driven uh plants versus zombies sort of thing is that right where i'm looking at yeah again yeah yeah I, I mean the inspiration for it funnily enough with there were two games one was a, a video game a mm -hmm. classic video game space invaders oh, yeah, I, really like, yeah. <laughs> I really like the idea of these these zombies kind of like working their way down the board towards you and that sort of feeling as tension of tension yeah. as they get closer and closer to your barricade yeah the impending doom is coming closer and closer yeah 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 
And the other game was um, an old pub game called Shut the Box, where you roll two dice. And then I think, I can't remember actually whether you add or you multiply the dice together. And then you, you, you shut parts of the lid of the box that have the number corresponding numbers on it. Yeah, yeah, I know the one. Yeah, you sort yeah. of you flick down the number once you've scored it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so really, a kind of the the basis of the game was that the zombies, each zombie has a has a strength. So it might be one, it might be twenty five, it might be seven or eight. And in fact, in the game, they go up to two hundred and sixteen in terms of their strength. And every zombie is is either level one, two, three, or four. So what that does is it allows you to build a deck of zombies to fight that are appropriate to to the the age and the ability of the players. So if, if you're having your first game, you just play with level one zombies. Those yeah. zombies are numbered one to 12. So there's mm-hmm. nothing too scary about those. There's certainly no big numbers to think about, and you're not going to put off a child who who doesn't like maths with that no so you uh you lay out the board you get your dice ready you build your zombie deck you deal the first wave of zombies out across the city Uh, if you want to choose heroes there are heroes in the game each hero has a special move you can use which will help you fight the zombies but you don't need to play with those in your first few games but they're quite fun uh there are there are nine boys nine girls uh range of ages and um diversity and uh yeah they just add a bit of fun to it and a bit of uh uh, camaraderie when you can chain them up you know you each player can have a hero and they can chain their abilities as well so there's there's a bit of sort of thought that goes behind using their special moves but they're not you know they're not required for your first few games Perhaps when you upgrade and you're using all four levels of zombies, they're they're a bit more useful to you. But in the in the basic game, in level one, they're fine. Fine to leave them out. I think it's good to have characters like that though, because it just adds a bit of replayability to it. Yeah, because you can well, the game has a lot of replayability. And the interesting thing is I, I take the game into schools, uh, or at least I used to, uh, <laughs> before this pandemic hit. And um I could have a class of kids playing the game. So I'd go in with six games and they'd all be playing the game and about 15, 20 minutes in, I could go around and look at every game they're playing and every game would be different. Yeah, yeah. So basically, let's get back to how, how it works because I'm digressing again. That's so good. <laughs> this is how my mind works. It just jumps all over the place. Um, so yeah, so you've got you've built your zombie deck. You've laid out the first wave of zombies. You've chosen any heroes if you're playing with those. You have a deck of survivors. Now, these are groups of survivors that you can save during the game. And the more survivors you save, the better your score if you win the game. So they're like victory points. Mm. Uh, So you start the game off with um, you deal yourself six survivor cards into your safe zone at the bottom of the board. Um, So that will give you somewhere between 10 and 15 survivors to start with, depending on how how your deal goes. So you start the game with those. Uh, you give the first player the three battle dice and you're ready to go. The game's cooperative, so you all play together and it works on rounds. So the first round, we we start the game with the, the zombies out. So it's just a case of checking to see if any items or any events have come out when the zombies have spawned. Because you're not only battling zombies, you're battling events okay. that are in the deck. 
Um, well, there are events that can help the zombies and events that can help the players. And then in the higher levels, there are items as well that you can pick up and use to help modify your dice, boost your dice rolls, all sorts of things like that. And even alien artifacts and equipment that um, allow you to do things like square your dice, cube your dice, uh, turn your dice into negative numbers because they're, they're, some of the alien zombies are shielded. So rather than being positive numbers, they're negative numbers. Right. OK, yeah. Um, and um, then to fight zombies, you roll three dice. You have to use all three dice or you have to find a way of using all three dice. But you can do anything you can think of with those dice. You can use them individually. So you could hit three zombies if you rolled a two, four and a five. And there happen to be a zombies with strength two, four and five in play. You could take out three zombies on your go. Mm -hmm. uh, you can add the dice together to hit uh, a higher number zombies. So you could add all three dice or you could add two dice and take one dice away. Mm. You can multiply dice. You can divide dice in any combination or order. You can add dice together and then divide them by the other dice. So it's just what you can do is just huge. But the great thing about doing it in that way is that you're giving the child the opportunity to explore and play with those numbers in any way they can think of without too much pressure of getting to a big number which is can be quite frightening for some children yeah and also they can't really get it wrong i don't know if you're like me but when i was at school i used to hate maths because the teacher would say right matthew what's the answer to this sum and there'd be a sum on the board and i'd look at it and my brain would just go blank and i'd think well there's only one right answer yeah yeah okay only one right answer so I'm probably going to get it wrong. I can't think. My brain has just gone blank. And I just, you know. So what I wanted to do was create a game where there wasn't one right answer. So I turned that whole principle of learning maths on its head. So the game, all the answers are on the board because the answers you've got to get to are on the zombie cards because they're the zombie strengths. Yeah. You should use the dice and it just then becomes a way of, you know, playing with dice patterns, permutations to get to the numbers on the cards. And some kids think about maths in a very visual way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, pattern recognition. and pa I can, you know, it, it's really interesting because when I was playtesting this and I spent quite a long time playtesting it and quite a long time going into schools and working with teachers in classrooms. But when you do that, you, you discover that, that kids are pigeonholed in schools and... I'd have situations where one child would say, oh, it's this, I can do this. And they'd be absolutely fantastic at the game. They'd be all over the game. Mm. And you'd say to the teacher, God, they're so good at this game. They must be really good at maths. And the teacher would go, nope, nope, they're not good at maths. And you go, but they are. But they <laughs> yeah. are good at maths because I can see them doing maths. No, no, they're not good. They're, at the, they're in the bottom stream. And you just think, what's going on there? And it's just because I think that the way you were taught maths in school, you just some kids just don't think like that. I no, didn't. No. I know what you mean. It's it, like we use going back to the, the the being made like put on the spot and just trying to stare at his numbers. It is yeah. But if you can actually play with the numbers yourself, it's it's a much more relaxing approach, isn't it? And because you're not in competition with everybody else playing, you know, you have your go. You, you look at your dice. You say, oh, I could do this with it, or I could do that with it. And then 
everybody else can sort of say, well, actually, I could see you could do this with the dice or you could try that. But if it's yeah. your go to stop the alpha player syndrome, if it's um, if it's your go, then you have the final say on how your dice are used. Mm. But the great thing about it is in a family environment when you're playing this game is that the kids start teaching each other. Yeah, yeah. So your teaching of maths as a parent is really kind of just holding the space for the child. You don't have to be good at maths yourself or know maths. You just have to hold that space and to, to, to even have a calculator out there to check any results they come up with. <laughs> you know, I've done that, for heaven's sakes. But, you know, some kids, they they just, they just you know, can do it by looking at the, the dice patterns and the dots. And the great thing about having dots rather than numbers with the dice is that the kids can count the dots yeah yeah and they go well you could because you can power up dice so you can take you can take a four or the classic one is three three you roll a three you say to them right you can you can actually power up any dice square any dice so you just multiply the the number of pips by the number of pips so you've got three pips just count each pip three times that gives you the result because of course you roll the dice you get a three and you say, right, I'm going to power this up. And then the number of kids that say, oh, it's six. And then you say, yeah. okay, right, is it? So, okay, let's count those pips three times each. Oh, it's nine. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, doing things as well, like rolling a load of dice and going, oh, I've, I've rolled these three dice and I can get to 11, but I've got this flipping one I've rolled. And, you know, I want to hit an 11, but I can only hit a 10 or a 12. And you go, oh, well, what if you multiply? What if you multiply it by the one? What's yeah. one times 11? Oh, my God, I, I can I can use it and still keep it at 11, you know. It's just stuff like that. And the kids will just, you know, explore. And, you know, one of the best ways of learning is to seeing seeing somebody else doing something and then copying that. And that yeah. get, this game puts that in place as well. It has that all built in. Uh, it, the more I hear it, the more I'm liking the sound. Because I think also, in a funny way, they're... I, I think it lends to the fact that they'll be doing various different sums when they're not even trying to get to the answer. I, I'm not explaining that well. Like where? Well, I think what you, I think what you're saying there is 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 exactly right. I get what you're saying. What you're saying is, you know, the child uses what they know with yeah. the dice. So if they only know how to add and subtract, that's how they'll approach the dice. So the game kind of like can be played by different kids of different abilities and it sort of self levels to their ability because they just they just use the maths they know but as they see other kids doing other things with the dice they go all right i'll i'll store that and i'll do that with my dice yeah yeah I'll, i can try that i'll remember that yeah yeah and also i really get what you're on about the pips like just being able to go three six nine this it's a lot easier rather than going right what's the power of three trying to you can actually visualize by counting those pips it's uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I really I, I'm, I'm understanding everything you're saying. I can picture and then, it. And then you blow, then you blow your, their mind by saying, right, well you've got actually got a nine there. You've made nine with your dice. Yeah. Why don't you power it down? What? Power it down? What does nine power down to? Oh, three. Ah, if it powers from three up to nine, you can make a nine and power it down to a three. It'll go the other way, yeah. And then yeah. suddenly you can hit that zombie that's been eluding you with a high number, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, it's really cool. When they get it and you they, they literally sit there and go, oh, I get it. And it's like, yeah, you're away. And it's just fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. So everybody has a go and you try and get rid of as many zombies as you can. If you can clear the board of zombies 
you can clear a path from the city to your safe zone and you rescue more survivors. Mm -hmm. So your score goes up. Uh, so at the end of the round, when everybody's had a go, there's a rescue plane on the on the on an approach track, and that gets one step closer to to the landing strip where you are in your safe zone. And um, and then uh, all the zombies move down. So any zombies left in play move down, a bit like they do in Space Invaders. Yep, yeah. And then you deal out the next wave of zombies across the the, the city. Mm -hmm. But as the game progresses, and the plane moves down the board. The zombies spawn. The zombies are attracted to the noise of the plane, so they spawn level with the plane. So they start <laughs> off in the city, but then the plane moves from flying over the city to flying over the roads. So the zombies start spawning on the roads. Then the plane is flying over the fields as it starts its approach to land. So the zombies start spawning on the fields. And so the pressure just gets yeah, right up. And I've seen kids really just get so into it in class or in a gaming club or at a, uh, at a con you know uh, uh, you know i took the game to handy con which is a convention over in high wickham that runs normally biannually and some of the kids playing it there they just get so into it and they get you know oh they you know they come out of it and it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> they're just so into it and they get so emotionally engaged and um that's really awesome to see Really, really awesome to see. Oh, I'm gonna have to check this out. I really have. I, I'm not. I've not heard a bad word about it. Really? Everybody just really recommends it. Like, like I couldn't believe the amount of times it cropped up when I done my search on the forums. Everybody says, "Oh, you gotta go for uh, City of Zombies. You gotta go City of Zombies." Wow. And you, you can't. You can't buy that sort of press. You know, it's if, if you've got that many people out there recommending it, you, you know, you've cracked it. You really have. I feel very lucky because I've got absolutely zero marketing budget. And of course, because it was an educational game, when I was touting it around, trying to, because I thought, oh, I've got to get someone to, I've got to find a publisher and get somebody to publish this. You'd say, you know, oh, what sort of game is it? It's an educational game. They go, oh. And you did think, oh, they're not interested. What's the, what's the theme? Zombies. Oh. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. So in the end, I tried kickstartering it. Absolute disaster. Didn't know what I was doing. That completely nosedived. Um and uh, my dad stepped in and said, Look, I'll I'll give you some money uh towards getting it published. So we did a an initial print run of a thousand hmm. uh, games and sold out within a year, and then we did five thousand and sold out within eighteen months, and then another five thousand sold out uh, last year beginning of last year and so we've had another well fourth edition printed now fourth edition brilliant that's it well again that, i think that is shown the test of time then you know the fact that you have to keep going back for more so that's that's really good but i've still got no marketing budget <laughs> thank goodness people are still buying it <laughs> well, yeah i mean because like i said I, I i hadn't heard of it it was only when i went on the forums that everybody was suggesting it and also, I've got to check this out then. The so. best kept secret, yeah. I mean, it, it honestly, it trans. It, I've seen it transform in one game, transform a child, well, many times actually, children who who really are maths adverse into mm. you know, it completely transformed them, and, and and you can see their their ability go up a huge amount from one game, and then yeah. the next time they play it. They're doing stuff they would never have dreamed of doing in the first game because they've got the confidence to try it because they're not frightened of making mistakes. Yeah. I tell you what, it, it really, it, yeah, I've just been really lucky with it. 
really lucky with it. It's, I don't yeah. know if it's luck, but I think you've definitely stumbled across something that definitely works. But yeah. so I'm definitely going to be picking up a copy myself. I must admit, I'm going to yeah, uh, go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely because I think my daughter in particular would really like that. How old is she? Uh, she's well, she's eight now. Yeah, and I've got a little boy who's five. So yeah. I'll probably try them both together and see how they get on. Yeah, know, yeah, because the little the little five year old. I mean, he when he rolls the three dice, he doesn't have to use all three. Your daughter would have to, but oh, he okay. wouldn't. So you see, the thing is, it's really easy to adapt, and that's one of the reasons teachers really like it. It's mm. because they can. The idea was that yes, it's a game, but it's also a, a maths resource tool for teachers. Mm. That they can use it, they can use it in any way they want. I think, like, by the sounds of it, the different levels you've got makes it very versatile as well, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much for that. Um, right. So moving on slightly. Yeah. I see you've also got a. Is, now, is this? I'm not too sure whether it's an expansion or. Oh, uh, Times Square. Times Square. Yeah. Times Square. Yeah, it kind of started off as an expansion. It isn't it isn't an expansion. Um, it came about because teachers were saying to me, look, City of Zombies takes half an hour, 45 minutes to play, and it's really fantastic, and the kids love it, but can you do something that just focuses on the 12 times table that we can play in 20 minutes? And that's Times Square. So Times Square works in the same way as City of Zombies. You're rolling dice. Um although I've added in a 12-sided dice. So you're rolling the three D6s and a D12. And it sounds like a lot of dice, but when kind of like when you're playing it, it isn't because of the way your sort of brain sort of works with that when you get your head around how the game works. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's cooperative. It's one to six players, and it's a standalone game and an expansion for City of Zombies. Or City of Zombies is an expansion for Times Square, whichever way you want to sort of look at it. Um, but yeah, it's a standalone little game, and it's um, it's a really good sort of brain game, I would say, mm. as well. But um, if you're, I'm in an R-ing, where I get a lot of parents who, because I, I sell to a lot of people who who aren't gamers and don't play games, they buy it just because they've heard it's going to help their kids with maths. Yeah. Um, and I say to them, like, get City of Zombies first, because once you've got your head around how that works, because it works very differently to the normal sort of roll and move games that these that you probably, you know, had experience with. Mm. Um, once you've got your head around how it works, then get Times Square and, and try that. But, um, yeah, Times Square, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally came about just because of teachers asked me for it. So I thought, mm. yeah, I'll do that. So that one's actually more focused on the multiplication. Yeah. Well, it is. It's um, it's a sort of condensed version of yeah. City of Zombies, and it doesn't have that full emotional engagement that you get with a proper full-on board game. Right. So it's, I would say, it's great as a travel game, or a game to take away on holiday, or a game for teachers to use in class. Uh, but it's a bit more full-on with the maths. The pressure's on a bit more because. The idea is to try and clear Times Square of zombies as mm. quickly as you can as a team. So you're constantly trying to, it's about speed. So you're trying to beat your last score. I know you say they scale, 
But what sort of ages would you say was suited? I mean, I know you got different learning abilities, but what yeah. sort of, are you looking at key stage two to start with or key stage one? What's, where well, I get more sort of years because I can go into a school and play City of Zombies with year two and up. So that's right. yeah. sort of six, seven-year-olds. You can yeah. play it with five-year-olds. I've, I've, I've had um, communications with people who are playing it with their four-year-olds at level four, which I can't believe. <laughs> Because that's so she's saying, Oh, yeah, I've got my four years. They've done level one, they've done level two, they're now doing they've got the hang of squaring and square roots, and we're now doing cubing and negative numbers. And they're wow. four, and that's just <laughs> I just can't believe that. To be that's honest scary, that is scarily good. It? But you see, you make it fun, and their brains, the kids' brains is like little sponges, aren't they? They just suck up all this information and all this sort of stuff. You make it fun, you make it interesting, engaging. And, you know, you, you, that's why I say you don't, parents don't have to be teachers. They just have to hold that space for the child, get the child doing something that's fun, exciting and engaging. And, they'll, 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 you know, they'll learn, won't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. And I think if they can get into that younger, then so much the better. So I would say, sorry, to, to go back to your first point, Jack, I would say City of Zombies, age five and up. Um, a lot of adults buy it, which is surprising. Well, it surprised me. I didn't really think it would appeal to gamers, but I do get gamers who buy it to play with their mates as a sort of like half hour game, mm. uh, which is fantastic and, and, and really amazing. Uh, but I would say uh, the target age group I designed it for, but I wanted it to be fun for parents, but I it was really from about the age of seven to 12. Yeah. Uh, as I say, it just, it does have that appeal that it goes beyond those ages, which is fantastic. Yeah, because in a funny way, I could almost see it becoming a bit like a, almost like a Sudoku challenge sort of thing in a way, as like, as the levels get harder, you're like, oh, okay, so you know, just uh, trying to manipulate these numbers. Yeah, you have to get sneaky, sneaky smart. Yeah, yeah. Now, one of the other things, because we're talking about being age appropriate, although the theme is zombies, the artwork on it is oh, it's absolutely, it's so cartoony and funny. It's got real good humour to it. Yeah, 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 it is. I, yeah, I used a guy over in Peru who, who did the artwork for me. But I spent a lot of time working with him. I'm used to sort of doing design. I'm used to working with other designers and, and my, my sort of background is designers and programmers and, and, and other sort of creatives. And um, so I spent a lot of time talking about each character. Um, I, I did want a lot of humour in there and I wanted kids to see things that they might not realise at first were there, but then see them later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's there, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of of humor in there <laughs> but it is things like that that just make the game that much more appealing yeah I, I wanted the game to be the best i could do and and as the additions as i've done the additions they're not just straight reprints they're you know that every edition has been tweaked in some way and mm. this last edition i think is the closest to being really there because the only thing i tweaked on it was um some of the hero's powers I was working with a teacher out in Canada who uses the game uh, on a daily basis in his class. Um, a guy called Craig Thompson Wood. He's got a channel on YouTube and he reviews some educational games. That's his thing. And he, he's a great guy to go and check out. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, I worked with him on some of the powers, just tweaking three or four of the, the hero's powers to make them more maths focused, but in a fun way. Yeah. So they've all got pretty cool powers that they can, they can, used to help you and it just adds another element to the game 
Oh, definitely, definitely. And it, it, again, it's going to have that replayability and it's just going to tweak at each game so it feels a little bit more different every time. And I think the thing to do with the game is to realise that as the parent, um, if you're playing this with your kids, give them the space and the time to to try out the different dice combinations and don't jump in there too quickly and and give them the answer. You mm. know, I think I've seen parents... Uh, when I've been demoing the game with the with the kids, and and they say things like, um, "Don't you know that? Don't you know the answer? Come on, what's that?" And it's like, "Oh no, don't say that! Don't say that! Don't be like that! Just 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 encourage them! Just give them! It's all about being positive, yeah, and turning the whole experience into a positive experience. Because you know, when you're put under that sort of pressure, particularly with things like maths, you just, you know." Don't want to do it, do you? <laughs> no, that's that, that, that what puts you off, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. The the design methodology, but I have this thing which I call the praise method, mm. um, which is the it's in the DNA of all of my games. It's how I it's how I design my games. Mm. I use this 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 praise method, right? Which is which is um, you know P is being present, so that's that's being present for the child, giving the child you know, your time, your attention, mm. uh, your focus, um, you know, set, setting aside time and saying, right, for the next 30 minutes, you know, you have my undivided attention. Yeah, yeah. And then the R, I, I'll go through these really quickly. R is is right, the, using the right resources that are appropriate for the thing you're trying to help your child with. Yeah. You know, whether that be a game or whether that be a book or whether that be going for a walk and talking about things, you know, it's that sort of appropriateness of, of of you know using the right resource to help your child feel you know included and important yeah. and then a is attention getting them to pay attention and giving them your undivided attention do you know what yeah, i mean yeah definitely yeah yeah uh you know i is it, we touched on i actually which was about interrupting because mm. that's what some people do they just interrupt and it you know they interrupt their child just at that point where the child's about to go into that sort of moment of learning mm. And they jump in there and interrupt. So it's about, you know, holding that space and not interrupting. Mm. S is about safety, you know, creating that safe space where they can make mistakes and not feel stupid. Um, and E is about encouragement. Yeah. Uh, you know, encouragement and engagement. And that's kind of like the praise method. And I hold, try and hold all of those things in my head. And as I'm creating the game, I think, right, does it, does it do this? Does it, is it, is it going to be a tool that is going to, fit every one of those ideals those goals yeah yeah that's a, that's a real good i mean to be honest that's going to be a real good thing to remember when i'm playing because sometimes it is very easy to just sort of, i know the answer to this and just step in and sometimes like i say you just need to hold back a little bit and see if they can work it yeah a lot of the time it's the parent's ego you know yeah. you don't you don't need to tell your child how clever you are you know, <laughs> it is about them not you do you know what i mean yeah, but how would I ever beat them? <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And also, there's a whole thing, isn't there? You know, there's a whole thing. If you're playing a competitive game, you know, I, I, I'm not very good at playing games in the sense that I don't often win. But, yeah. and that used to... piss <laughs> me off. But, <laughs> but I now love playing games because I love the experience of playing a, a game with other people. Yeah. And, and to me, that's just... It's just fantastic. And I've had kids in school come up to me and say things like, uh, I didn't know board games could be so exciting. 
Mm. Well, yeah. This is better than a video game. And you're going like, yeah, they are, aren't they? And there are so many of them for you to find out and, ex- and learn about. Mm. And I tell you what, when, when, when you've played it, you know, I, as I say, I go into schools and I play with a whole class, I get the whole class playing. And so, sometimes you get kids and they just come running up to you and they give you a great big hug. And you think, oh my God, what do I do? You know, <laughs> yeah, this kid hugging me. And I think, oh, so I just hug them back. And you just think yeah. that kid comes from a re- that kid co- must come from a, a really loving home, you know, to feel that, that uh, ability to just express their thanks by throwing their arms around you. And, and you kind of, you've kind of like been included into their world. You know, the, you've been accepted in as a, you know, as somebody they can hug. It's really nice. I bet that is. I mean, that's got to be such a nice reward. That is. Yeah. It's the best. That is that. This, yeah. When that happened to me as the first time, I didn't know what to do, but, but I just, I just walked out on cloud nine. I walked yeah. out of that store on cloud nine. And the other thing, just very quickly, because I'm conscious I've taken up so much of your time. Oh, yeah, okay. But I went to um, a school called the Ark School. I didn't know anything about it. I just got invited in. And they said, oh, could you arrive in the evening so you can teach the game to to our staff and then come in and play the game the next day? I right. thought, well, that's really odd. I've never been asked to do that before. Mm. So I said, yes, of course I will. No problem at all. So I turned up at this school and I thought, bloody hell, this is more like a fortress than a school. <laughs> yeah. You know where this is going, do you? Well, I can imagine because I've worked in a few schools myself, so I think I know oh, the sort. Yeah, <laughs> Christ, it was like, it, yeah, it was like a, it's like where all the kids that have caused trouble and have been expelled and everything like that, they all yeah. go there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm used to walking into a class and the kids go, "Oh, you know, hello, this is Mr. Tidbit." I go, "No, no, call me Matt, please." I walked into this class. This kid got up, goes, "Who the <laughs> are you?" <laughs> I'm like, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to play no stupid bloody board game. All right, yeah. okay. And in the end, it was just the best school I'd, I'd ever been in. I came out of that school and I just felt like I'd achieved so much, or so much had been achieved, because they they all got totally into it. And then, yeah. of course, you, get, you say, well, I've got to go now. Oh, what? No, yeah. play another game, play another game. And you just think, oh, I've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up staying like two nights because I just stayed, <laughs> stayed on and played games with these kids who, who, you know, it was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Sometimes it's just great to, for them to have that interaction with someone who's just that giving of their time. The, again, that's a massive reward, and you won't be able to replace that sort of feeling. No, no, and it's so difficult at the moment because I can't go near any schools. I haven't been into a school in over a year, so mm-hmm. I had to stop. As soon as this sort of thing about a year ago, as soon as it, as soon as I sort of had a heads up on this sort of pandemic thing, I I just had to sort of almost go into self-imposed lockdown before the lockdown in March. Yeah, well, it's uh, fingers crossed. Uh, we're on the road to recovery soon. It's uh, yeah, it's great though, isn't it? We've got pandemics, we've got revolutions, civil oh. war on the card. That's amazing. Yeah. I think someone will be making a good game about this year. Well, about 2020 and maybe 2021. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, we're not off to the best of starts, are we? So, uh, leaving uh, City of Zombies and all the horrible world that we're in, now we're going to a much cuter world where you designed a game called Alana's Animals. How does that work? 
Well, that's that's a game that I actually designed uh, with my granddaughter in mind. Uh, oh. She was a bit young at the time, but I wanted a game that I could play with her um, that got her basically thinking about numbers. And what I wanted was a game that would give her the core math skills that she needed. So when she when she started school, that's it. She knew it. She knew it all. And in fact, the game, although it's a very simple card game, it, it has within it year one curriculum of maths all built into it. Okay. So it's a, it's a very simple game in its concept. You're collecting farm animals. Um, everybody ends up with a, a farmyard with the same number of animals in it, the same number of animal cards with different types of animals on it. And then you're trying to win the most number of apples for your a- animals uh, by uh, seeing who uh, can meet these reward cards that come out in the second part of the game. So the first part of the game is all about collecting your animals, choosing which animals you want and putting them into your farmyard. So you might have, you might say, I'm, I'm going to go for three cows and and I know I get the four sheep, but the sheep might be different colours. So you might have, you might have white sheep, you might have two white sheep and a black sheep. And then you might have a sheep that's been shorn. So that's pink. So you you have animal cards with animals on with variations to the animals. So the cows, you have spotted cows, you have brown cows, you have cows with horns, cows without horns, um, that sort of stuff. And then you have goats and you have pigs. And and so it's things like who has the most white sheep is, is a reward card that might come out. So then everybody looks around and they count up whose farmyard's got the most white sheep. And that person would win the apple off that reward card. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it might say things like you might get a reward card. Then there's a big pool of reward cards. and You only play with 12 of them. So, again, you can tailor the game to teach the child certain aspects of the of maths or you can just play it sort of just shuffle the cards and deal 12 out at random uh and some of the reward cards you can see before you start building your farmyard and some are hidden so there's a bit of strategy in there Uh, and there are three different ways of playing it there's actually three player versus player modes and uh two cooperative modes to the game oh wow uh, but yeah, it's a really fun little game. It's fun for adults as well as the kids. And you can play it with kids from about two and a half years old. Oh, that young. Oh, really? Because there's not much oh, yeah, in the market. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's really good. Not that I could find. So I just wanted to do something that, that um, you know, again, was the best I could do. I think you're definitely coming up with some good games here, I must admit. Like I said, there aren't many aimed at that age. And a lot of people always ask, oh, what, what age do you start your kids gaming? And it's all like, well, you can only start when there's games and that they are ready. So, you know, there's no point trying to push a, something like a big Twilight Imperium on a four-year-old. It's just not going to work. So you need something that's going to be age-appropriate. And again, you know, I think... Um getting kids into card games early on is great because it's getting about family interaction, building bonds in the family, you know, those social bonds. And it's great. It's really yeah. great. And if you can get them doing maths at the same time and it just helps them without them realizing it, because that's the key thing. They don't realize what they're learning. They're just learning it by through the practice and the repetition. And the cards are designed. Um, my dad, funny enough, was colorblind. So when I did, city of zombies and, and every other game i've done uh i've always worked with um color blindness association in the uk 
to ensure that all the cards work with all the different types of color blindness. Oh, well, right, okay. Well, so I must admit, because when you look at the cards, they don't look like they're out of place. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing that would actually make you think that. No. Which is, which is really good, because it's not something that's going to be detracting from uh, an average player, if that makes sense. But do you so, know that one child in every class is colorblind? So yeah, there right. is one colorblind child in every class, in right. every school in in the whole of the world, basically, or the whole of the UK, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about some big numbers there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Obviously, there are different types of colour blindness. But... Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah, it's and the fact you've even thought about that and taken that in consideration, that's great. It really is. The the design methodology, but I have this thing which I call the praise method, mm. um, which is the it's in the DNA of all of my games. It's how I. It's how I design my games. Mm. I use this 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 praise method, right? Which is which is um, you know P is being present. So that's that's being present for the child, giving the child you know your time, your attention, mm. uh, your focus. Um, you know, set, setting aside time and saying right for the next thirty minutes, you know, you have my undivided attention. Yeah, yeah. And then the R, I'll go through these really quickly. R is is right, the, using the right resources that are appropriate for the thing you're trying to help your child with. Yeah. You know, whether that be a game or whether that be a book or whether that be going for a walk and talking about things, you know, it's that sort of appropriateness of, of, of you know, using the right resource to help your child feel, you know, included and important. Yeah. And then A is attention, getting them to pay attention and giving them your undivided attention. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I is... It, we touched on I, actually, which was about interrupting, because mm. that's what some people do. They just interrupt, and, it, you know, they interrupt their child just at that point where the child's about to go into that sort of moment of learning, mm. and they jump in there and interrupt. So it's about, you know, holding that space and not interrupting. Mm. Um, S is about safety, you know, creating that safe space where they can make mistakes and not feel stupid. Um, and he is about encouragement, yeah. uh, you know, encouragement and engagement. And that's kind of like the praise method. And I hold, try and hold all of those things in my head. And as I'm creating the game, I think, right, does it, does it do this? Does it, is it, is it going to be a tool that is going to fit every one of those ideals, those goals? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be honest, that's going to be a real good thing to remember when I'm playing, because sometimes it is very easy to just sort of, I know the answer to this and just step in. And sometimes like I say, you just need to hold back a little bit and see if they can work it. Yeah. A lot of the time it's the parent's ego. You know, yeah. you don't you don't need to tell your child how clever you are. You know, <laughs> it is about them, not you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But how would I ever beat them? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also there's a whole thing, isn't there? You know, there's a whole thing. If you're playing a competitive game, you know, I, I, I'm not very good at playing games in the sense that I don't often win. but mm. And that used to really piss me off. But, <laughs> but I now love playing games because I love the experience of playing a, a game with other people. Yeah. And, and to me, that's just, it's just fantastic. And I've had kids in school come up to me and say things like, uh, oh, I didn't know board games could be so exciting. Mm. Well, yeah. This is better than a video game, and you're going like, "Yeah, they are, aren't they?" And there are so many of them for you to find out and ex and learn about. Mm. And I tell you what, when 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 you've played it, you know, I as I say, I go into schools and I play 
with the whole class to get the whole class paid. And so, sometimes you get kids and they just come running up to you and they give you a great big hug and you think, oh my god, what do I do? You know, <laughs> yeah, the kid hugging me. So I, and I think, oh, so I just hug them back. And you just think yeah. that kid comes from a re- that kid co- must come from a, a really loving home, you know, to feel that that uh, ability to just express their thanks by throwing their arms around you. And, and you kind of you kind of like been included into their world. You know, the, you've been accepted in as a, you know, as somebody they can hug. It's really nice. I bet that is. I mean, that's got to be such a nice reward. That is. Yeah. It's the best. That is that. This, yeah. When that happened to me as the first time, I didn't know what to do, but, but I just, I just walked out on cloud nine. I walked yeah. out of that store on cloud nine. And the other thing, just very quickly, because I'm conscious I've taken up so much of your time. Oh, yeah, okay. But, but I went to um, a school called the Ark School. I didn't know anything about it. I just got invited in. And they said, oh, could you arrive in the evening so you can teach the game to to our staff and then come in and play the game the next day? And I oh. thought, well, that's really odd. I've never been asked to do that before. Mm. So I said, yes, of course I will. No problem at all. So I turned up at this school and I thought, Bloody hell, this is more like a fortress than a school. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where this is going, do you? Yeah, well, I can imagine because I've worked in a few schools myself, so I think I know oh, the school. Yeah. <laughs> Christ, it was like, it, yeah, it was like a, it's like where all the kids that have caused trouble and have been expelled and everything like that, they all yeah. go there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm used to walking into a class and the kids go, oh, you know, hello, this is Mr. Tidbury. I go, no, no, call me Matt, please. I walked into this class, this kid got up, goes, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm like, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to play no stupid bloody board game. All right, yeah. okay. And in the end, it was just the best school I'd, I'd ever been in. I came out of that school and I just felt like I'd achieved so much, or well, so much had been achieved, because they they all got totally into it. And then, yeah. of course... You, get, you say, well, I've got to go now. Oh, what? No, yeah. play another game, play another game. And you just think, oh, I've got to do it. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up staying like two nights because I just <laughs> stayed, stayed on and played games with these kids who, who, you know, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So it's just great to, for them to have that interaction with someone who's just that giving of their time. The, again, that's a massive reward and you won't be able to replace that sort of feeling. No, no. And it's so difficult at the moment because I can't go near any schools. I haven't been into a school in over a year. So mm. I had to stop as soon as this sort of thing about a year ago, as soon as, as soon as I sort of had a heads up on this sort of pandemic thing, I, I just had to sort of almost go into self-imposed lockdown before the lockdown in March. Yeah. Well, it's uh, fingers crossed. Uh, we're on the road to recovery soon. It's, uh, yeah. it's great though, isn't it? We've got pandemics. We've got revolutions, civil oh. war on the card. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that someone will be making a good game about this year. Well, we're about 2020 and maybe 2021. Oh we'll see yeah. where it goes. But yeah, we're not off to the best of starts, are we? <laughs> <laughs> so, Leaving your games aside now, are there any other games that you've come across that you really think sort of do tick a similar sort of educational box? Um, there are games, yeah. I mean, there are games I love, and there are games. Uh, well, there, I mean, there's as I said earlier, there are maths built into most most games. But um, I think King Dominoes. Have you played King Domino? Yeah, well, funnily enough, um, I was going to do a chat um, with one of my colleagues, and King Domino was the first one on the list. So I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, yeah the, the way you do the scoring, 
Um, for anyone who's not familiar with King Domino, you're basically making up different landmasses. And for each landmass that has connected, if there is a crown, then you times that by the amount of crowns. So if you've got, I know, four lands connected together and you've got two crowns within that land, then it's two times four. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, that was one of the first ones that come to my mind, King Domino, I must admit. Yeah, that's good. And I, lo I love the way that you're building this terrain and you're thinking about how the terrains fit together and you're thinking, well, do I do, you know, uh, a, a I think it's five by five tiles, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can do a four-player game that's five by five, or if you wanted to, or yeah. you can do a two-player game that goes seven by seven. That's it, that's it. And then you score extra points if you build with the castle in the middle. But you yeah. can, yeah. So, yeah, it, I like that. I really like that. And I think it, the artwork on it's great. And it's just one of those games that, that, that you could take into a class and teach. There are lots of games that, that just, that are great games, but just wouldn't work in a classroom. Mm. Um, and also kids are, absolutely ruthless when you play test in a class <laughs> you've got to have thick skin as well tell you, how, you know they tell it how it is it's brilliant yeah but, yeah yeah i think king domino is great um i also really like love letter actually i okay. think it's a really nice little game and there's a sort of, sort of a card counting kind of you've got to be aware of numbers and probabilities and there's all sorts of things going on in that game and again that's a game i can sit down and play with kids who don't play games Mm. At all, or have never played games, uh, so I think that's a great little game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have you heard of a game called Trans Europa? No, I've never heard of that one. No. Okay, I think there's a Trans America version as well. So you're laying uh, train lines mm. and trying to connect cities. So you, every player's dealt. It's a competitive game. You're dealt five city cards, and these are cities across Europe, mm. and you're you've got to be the first player to connect all five cities using a railroad railroad network okay so you have they're literally like little black matchsticks and you, you're building the the railroad network on the board hmm. uh, and the great thing is about when you connect to somebody else's network you can then use their network and jump and build on the other side of their network okay yeah that's a great little game in terms of learning maths not much but in terms of strategy and tactics fantastic yeah. and everybody i've played it with gamer or non-gamer alike has really enjoyed it so that's yeah. that's definitely one of the games i wouldn't sell you know that i've got that i wouldn't sell trans europa yeah. there are games out there that are, are, are kind of billed as maths games mm. and i've been sent some to try out and things like that but the the problem is it's it you know they don't engage they don't really you know, they're not really a game. No, they're, they're more of a mass game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would just use, I mean, the, the people to go and check out for, for that who are far more, I think, experienced with me because my, obviously my, my I'm slightly tunnel vision in terms of educational games. Yeah. Um, but there's a, a company called Imagination Gaming. Mm. Uh, and they go into schools and they, and they actually have given my game some awards, but they give, uh lo lots of games really good quality educational games awards uh so they're the they're you know if you're looking for educational games they're the they're the guys to check out but i mean in terms of games i enjoy playing um I i've got a fairly eclectic taste i guess i love uh lords of Waterdeep. 
yeah. as a worker. It's the first worker placement game I ever played. And I haven't didn't start playing games until a few years ago, what I would call proper games. And worker placement games, that was like kind of blew my mind. I thought, Liam, they're amazing. <laughs> I thought I could take that game into a class and teach that in an hour. Yeah. Well, we'll teach it, teach it really quickly and play it for at least an hour. I think that's a fantastic. Uh, so, Laws of Waterdeep, brilliant. I love um, Pax Premier. Have you heard of that game? I've heard of it, but I've never played it. It's phenomenal. It comes in a tiny little box. And it's one of the most impressive games I've ever played in terms of just what is in there. You're bang for your bucks. I think it's a little box. It cost me like 30 quid. And I was like, do I really want to spend 30 quid on a tiny box? Yeah. But the game itself blew me away. The way it's been designed. The guy, I think Phil Eklund, I think, designed it. Uh-huh. Phenomenal, phenomenal game. On the lighter side, there's Port Royale. That's quite fun. Yeah. That's a fun little game. Carcassonne, obviously. Yeah. What else do I like? Champions of Midgard. There's a nice Viking worker placement game in the style of Laws of Waterdeep. Yeah, no, I say that's probably one of my favourite worker placement games, that one, I must admit, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Have you played Everdell? I've not, again, no, I've not played that one, no. I've heard no, a lot of good great. things about it, yeah. yeah. It's good, it's good. Um, and I think if you can get kids into these sorts of games, you know, there's a mathematical element in all of these things. So, you know, yeah. They don't have to be a educational game to be educational. I mean, Sagrada, that's a really good game. That's basically like, that's very like kind of a uh, dynamic Sudoku kind of mm. game with dice. So you, you've got, you, you're trying to pattern match dice in certain colours with certain numbers on. Mm. So that's a, that, in terms of a mass game, is a great game, I think. Uh, how about you, Jack? Yeah. What games would you think of? Well, I mean, these ones aren't so much maths games, but they are definitely got an educational side to it. I mean, one of them I would say is called Timeline, which is really good for history. And the idea is that you're dealt out some cards and all you got to try and do is put them where you think they are in the order. And it's the first person to get rid of their card. And it's yeah, it's such a simple one, but it's all like some of them, when it starts off, it's fairly easy because you've got big gaps in between. So it could be on the, uh, on the when was the first television invented and when was the first telephone invented. So telephone come first, so that'd be on that. Side. And then, but slowly the gaps get plugged. Uh, but yeah, that's a really nice little history, and you can get all different themes with that one. I must admit, you get, you get a Star Wars one, I think, can't you? I've actually got it set on my shelf, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could do the Star Wars one. Yeah. Um, no, I've heard of it. I haven't got them. I haven't got those. But yeah, I think that's that's a really good suggestion, actually. A fantastic one. Now, this is a bit of a plug for my friend Adam, who he designs RPGs, and he came up with this game called Spy School. So the idea of spy school is that the kids are going to be spies and you use a deck of cards and you're going to set them challenges depending on what they uh, pull out of these cards. So I know a heart might represent they've got to do some research on I know, geography or it might be they've got to solve an equation. But the way you do it is that they've actually got pretend to be spies and they've got to try to work these puzzles out and at the same time somebody in the house who's not involved in the game is going to be like the big evil guy 
And so you're trying to and plug them for information. So like, for example, my daughter was uh, going up to her mum and trying to find out where was the first place she went abroad on holiday. And then when she found that out, she had to come back and try and work out three different words in that language. Oh, so wow. It's an absolutely brilliant game. Yeah, it's called Spy School, but it's, it's just and, and all the time the kids are trying to be so sneaky. Yeah. And not let the, the mum, weren't trying not to let mum on what was going on. And then yeah. they'll come running up, right, okay, I found this out, I found that out. And then this means I need to work out these. And like, oh, absolutely brilliant. It really was good fun. And all the time the mum's sort of like, well, what's going on? You know? Yeah, <laughs> Just yeah, of, yeah. Why are these kids asking me random questions? Oh, but well, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, that's the available one, Itch.io, that is. But yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. It's available on what did you say? It's available on it's something called itch.io. It's uh, online and you oh, can download yeah. it. It's uh, like a, an RPG. You can just sort of download it on a PDF. And I think it's literally about two pounds, something like that. It's yeah, absolutely nothing. And all you need yeah. is a set of dice. And also what you do, you have like a Jenga tower. So every time they complete um, a mission, they get to stack up and you've got to try and see how high you can stack your Jenga tower. Before it <laughs> it's, you know, it, oh, but I can't recommend it enough. It, absolutely brilliant. It really was good fun. That's and, brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. really clever the way he's come up with that. Uh, have you played um, Mechs versus Minions? Yes, yes. Because that's a great, in terms of like a little programming game, that's mm. really good. Yeah, it, it, it'd be sort of like similar sort of coding um, element to it, hasn't it? Yeah. It has, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Letter Jam, I've not played it with kids, but Letter Jam is one where you've given five cards with letters on and these will all spell out a word. Yeah. And what you'll do, you'll have one card that's facing all of the other players so you don't know what your letter is. And yeah. so they're trying to make you think of a word and you're trying to fill in the blanks and they yes. have discs that will say the order that these letters will come in. Um, you had an E, but you can't see your E. If somebody else had an L, they could maybe give them the first one, give you the second and the uh, fourth one. And if somebody else has got a V, and like, so you can sort of like see, well, there's an L, a V, and they've got an L again, and I've got the second and fourth letter, so I must have an E. And it's a very sort of deducing puzzle and yeah using wordplay it's uh, yeah very clever very good game that oh that sounds good that sounds good a lot of the games that you're going to be it's a social interaction that will probably get most and again like i say a lot of games will have maths built into it without even realizing yes Yes. and i think deck building games are interesting as well you know you get a good deck building game Mm. because yeah that the thought of that, you know, I, I mean, I'm absolutely fascinated by deck building games. I think the way they work is is genius, really clever. I've got Clank in Space, which is a very good deck builder. Oh yeah, yeah. And that yeah, the, I, I do like the way you sort of you're pushing your luck to try and get further and further in, and all the time you're sort of powering up your cards. So yeah, that, that's one deck builder I would recommend. I must admit. Uh, have you played? Um, is it Aeon's End? Aeon's End? No, but again, I've heard of that, it. that's like a co-op sort of deck builder one. That's that's yeah. good. That's good. I think that would work with um, slightly older kids mm. as well. That's a great, great thing. And then um, jumping back to engine building mm. games, um, Splendor. Yes, yes, yeah. I think uh, Splendor's a good sort of entry game for for that sort of type of game mechanism yeah well funnily enough one of the ones that's a similar sort of lines 
that's worked really well, my kids really enjoy playing this, is Century. Oh, Century Spice Yeah, Road. yeah. Well, I've got the Gollum edition, which I think is a lot more appealing to kids. Uh, you've got these really nice crystals in there, and the artwork, again, is very kiddie-friendly. But the game is fantastic, and uh, you are using a lot of maths in there. It, it, again, like you say, it's one of those games you probably don't appreciate you're using maths, but it's, the element is definitely there, and it's, it's such a fun game. Best way, isn't it? You know, get them using maths and they don't realise it. Fantastic. I'm going to have to try that out, actually, because I haven't played that. I don't think I've played that one. But I've played Century Spice Road. Well, the, the Gollum edition is an identical game. It's just a reskinning of it, to be honest with you. And have you played um, things like Root? Because that's quite an interesting yes, game. Yes, yes. I mean, that's a, a very deep game. Uh, it's one of those ones, I think, the first time I played it, I was sort of scratching my head a little bit. But then... I, yeah. I, I like it, but I've got to get made around what's going on here. But yeah, and the second yeah. time I went back to it, I was like, yeah, no, nah, this is fantastic. I think because everything's quite asymmetrical about it, I think that's what makes yes. it a little bit harder to learn initially. But yeah, it's a great game. I think so. But I think if you're, if you're you know, like if I was a kid and my, my dad was into, or my mum was into gaming and knew how to play Root, I think that would be a fantastic game to play with your child to guide them and to educate them to see because i mean what is it the eerie isn't it they're the ones the uh the birds that are, you sort of work on a kind mm. of doctrine uh, decree, or decree yeah. isn't it it's a decree and it, that's effectively programming style of games and and um you know the way you you build up their movement and abilities is based on that sort of building a program code that they repeat uh, and you know i think that's a fantastic yeah. idea yeah. Well, I think we've shared enough of uh, other games. Let's get back to uh, one of yours. So have you got anything in the pipeline that's coming up? I've got um, a game called Fantastic Quests, which is a what I would call a gentle algebra game. Uh, it's uh, based in Greek mythology. So you, you're trying to complete quests by hmm. set by Zeus and you call upon the uh, gods of Olympus to, to help you complete those quests. So you've got the 12 Olympian gods and you're trying to complete quests like Medusa, uh, Minotaur. Uh, you need to befriend Pegasus mm. in one of the quests and you need the help of those gods to do it. And those gods will give you the ability. There's Normally you need two gods to help you to complete a quest, um, but the gods can be also used as a power, you can get the divine power of that God, which is where the algebra comes in, because as you activate God's divine powers, they allow you to manipulate dice or manipulate other God cards. Uh, and the way that works is based on algebra. Uh, and then you can combine those divine powers in, in any way you can think of and combine them in any way you can think of. Uh, and if you're clever about the way you do it, you can activate multiple divine powers on your turn and complete more than one quest at once. But you've got six quests to complete, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a quite a quick game. You can play it in seven to ten minutes right. for two player. Four player can last a bit longer. I have seen games. I've taken it, uh, play tested it at my local games club uh, with four quite hardcore gamers and it was a 45 minute game it was really really good 
Um, I think if I was to play, I'll take a lot longer because my algebra skills are non-existent. Well, you don't need you don't need to know algebra because it's kind of it's a bit like City of Zombies. It's kind of hidden. Yeah. You just you end at the cards. Just sort of you build the cards to create an equation. Yeah. Get you the result you need to get more god cards. You need to complete quests. Yeah. I'm not explaining it very well, but it's it's. Um, it's it's a yeah i'm i'm really excited about it as a game i'm really really excited about its potential the way it could help kids um and i'm i'm excited to uh to get it launched i'm hoping it's going to be published this year mm. that's our aim is to get it published this year we're thinking of um possibly sticking it on kickstarter mm. um if i can get my um my act together <laughs> but i'm not i'm not getting my act together too well but um the game is done it's been play tested it's it's effectively ready to go on kickstarter ready to go into production i've worked with a fantastic uh, artist on this as well yeah. um her name oh, God, i'm not even going to try and pronounce her name actually but she's an iranian artist okay uh, and she's really thrown herself into this project. She's uh, done some fantastic work. And if you want to, if you, if you or your listeners would would like to find out more about it, you can go to fantasticquest.com. There's a there's a sign up form. Any support you can give me, I'm hugely appreciated. Oh. Um, but yeah, check it out. Check it out. And hopefully, I'll be um, updating the site soon and getting some more information about the game on it. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. And I think, to be honest, algebra is probably one of the biggest ones that a lot of people really struggle with at school. So anything that can help, I think. So yeah, it's going yeah. very good. It's scary. It's scary. You know. You know. Um, X equals this, yeah. and n times yeah. X, and X times R. Yeah. And it's like this. This. This simplifies it. And and it also will come with instructions or oh, instructions they're kind of like rules or guides or examples that explain to the parents how it works yeah. and how they can explain it to the child and and how you know the, the different combinations can can get you the results you want oh i'll definitely be checking that one out because i say i think my daughter would appreciate something like that yeah and it's really simple the great thing about it is it's just a really simple game but you can make it as complicated as you want mm. so you can play it you don't have to use any of the divine powers at all if you don't want to but they will help you. They'll help you more if you can use them. But you don't have to. Yeah. Oh, like I say, I'll definitely be keeping my eyes open for that one. So cool. if cool. anybody was uh, wanting to grab a hold of City of Zombies uh, or indeed contact yourself, how's the best way of going about that? Um, probably hop along to thinknoodlegames.com. Uh, so think as in thinking about something, noodles as in noodle, <laughs> using your noodle. Thinknoodlegames.com. And um, the game's available on there. But, uh, yeah, if anybody's got any questions or, uh, you know, anything like that, I'm, I'm more than happy to to help and talk to people. Oh, um, other designers as well, fellow designers or designers working on edu- educational games or, you know, if, I, if my experience or knowledge can help in any way, then, um, you know, in terms of, I mean, I... I I ended up publishing the game myself. I, I didn't have the money to pay anybody to do the artwork for the game, so I had to learn Illustrator, Photoshop, and InDesign. So, um, in terms of producing press-ready files, I can I can help maybe help or advise with that, um, or just chat to somebody about the production process if they need that sort of thing. I, I do have a lot of contacts in the industry now, so I'm more than happy to sort of help people network or um, you know 
provide contacts to people if if I can do, if I can be of any help or assistance. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. I think uh, you'll be getting a few people taking you up on that offer, Matt. That's really kind of you, that is. No, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I mean, I have to say, I worked in the video industry and it's not a great... I personally, I don't know what it's been like for other people, but I didn't find it a particularly uh, good environment. I, I didn't find it um, a positive work environment mm. I, I you know it wasn't great but when i when when i started working in the board game industry i expected it to be like the video game industry mm. but i couldn't have been more wrong it was the other the other extreme everybody was just so positive and helpful and supportive um you know and if i can pay that back by paying it forward you know then then great oh it'd be my pleasure oh that's absolutely awesome that really is kind matt it really is so yeah there you go he's uh giving you his details so if anyone wants to take matt up on these offer there you go right well i think only one last thing to say and that's a massive thank you for joining us matt i really do appreciate you sharing your time and at such short notice as well no it's been really fun jack and uh thank you so much for reaching out to me oh, oh brilliant well all the best for the future Good luck with your new upcoming game and any other games that will be coming out. Bless you. I really appreciate that. It's been it's been a fantastic experience. Thank you so much. No worries. Right. Excellent. Take care then, Matt, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care, Jack. Thanks again. Well, that's the end of another ramble. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Massive thank you once again to Matthew Tiberi for joining us at such short notice. It was a real good um, insight into the world of game design and hopefully there'll be some youngsters and indeed parents that will benefit from this. So they'll be entertained and also educated, which will be fantastic. You've probably noticed there wasn't a Kickstarter kick around this week. That's purely because I thought the interview, we did ramble on a little bit and I didn't want the show to go over an hour and a half. Remember, if you do fancy join us as part of the Tabletop Ramble team, then drop me an email at tabletopramble at gmail.com. Until next week, make sure you stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you then.